So when you come to a, a, uh, a satsang, um, or the, the nature of God and the divine, the nature of reality is, is discussed, you really have to understand um, that you're participating in a blessing. You know, it, it's not a lecture. It's not that at all. You, you really are participating in a metaphysical event. Um, uh, you sort of stepped into a river, and that, that river is the energy of God's flow. Um, but it's in a more tangible way, and then heaven is um, is is crafting uh, crafting the circumstance for your personal understanding, you know. So for wherever you are, at whatever level you are, uh, for whatever your personal needs are, you know, heaven is molding the discussion and the events. 100% for your, for your uh, enlightenment, your uh, upliftment. You know, just like if you're familiar with theater. So you see the play, but do you understand how much activity went on before the play? You know, the set design, the lighting design, the, the sound design. You know, all of those things were set up for, for the audience to come and have an optimal experience. Heaven is doing the same thing, where it, it does a tremendous amount of effort uh, for your benefit, for your personal experience. Um, and it'll happen at multiple levels. You know, sometimes it's purely subconscious level. You're just lucky to be in the room and heaven gives you a, a banaka blast that quietly unfolds in you over time. And then there's other times where you, you just have these fantastic wow moments where you sort of get what's going on and uh, you can sort of uh, consciously realize uh, the blessing. But one way or the other, it's a blessing. And, and one way or the other, uh, heaven uh, does a lot of um, pre-work uh, for you coming. Heaven knows each soul that's coming to the room and um, makes some provision for them. See? So you should all start off understanding I am blessed. <laughs> you really are. You know, Today we have um, a topic um, that is, again, uh, very direct. I'm surprised anybody showed up. <laughs> the topic is, there are no excuses. If that's not an anti-American statement, I don't know what is from a cultural point of view. You know, well, culturally, in, in, in the West here, no one wants responsibility for anything. <laughs> you know, we, we sort of just want to quietly skate by. And uh, the idea of uh, profound victimhood um, is pervasive. But 
we have to get a a deeper, longer view of life. Like we think about our life in terms of uh, merely roughly a hundred years at best. But uh, from the yogic perspective, we've had life after life after life. You know, uh, when when this body wears out, you get a new set of clothes. You know, just like when your socks wear out. <laughs> You get a new set of socks. You know, when when you were when you were born as a child, do you think you came out of nothingness? You, you were born as a child. You had consciousness, and you had a brand new body. <laughs> do, do you think that consciousness came out of nothing? No, of course not. Of course not. If you look at any room of babies, they already have personalities. You know. That any mother will tell you, this one was like this, this one was like this, this one was like that. They all had personalities. How'd that happen? It's not like they had any experience. They did have experience. They, they were coming from their past birth. So, we all, we all have dispositions. And due to the lack of proper education, we all acquire psychological limitations. The only people who are actually going to really tell you the truth are the yogis. The yogis, the saints, and the masters. They're the only ones going to tell you really, really what you really are. And not only will they tell you what, they, what you really are and what your potential really is, is they're going to teach you how to realize that. It's one thing to make a bunch of platitudes. It's another thing to show you the science of how to realize it. See? Yogis are, are deeply practical. They're, they're practicing a practical mysticism. You know? Where they want you to be able to run experiments where you can say, this is so or this is not so. They, they want you to know personally for yourself. You know, from small things the cosmic things. They want you to have that direct knowledge. So you've been uh, profoundly miseducated. Profoundly. And the yogi wants to sort of set you straight. So in this talk you, we can say there are no excuses. And then you can have a, a, a subline that says for what you carry in your heart. There's no excuses for what you carry in your heart. So we all have various wounds. Someone said this, someone did that. You know, we all are blaming someone for this, someone for that. You know, you know how many children are blaming their parents for whatever, you know? The thing is, this world is like cosmic weather. And, it, and it's not like your parents or the police or whoever has abused you or, or some stranger has abused you. You have to understand, this is an asylum, you know? If, if, if you've been assaulted in any way, you've been ass assaulted by a patient in an asylum. So, 
you know, if a healthy person spits on me, that's one thing. But if a person who's mentally ill spits on me, isn't that another thing? See? One wasn't really rational. You know, one who was healthy, that was just an act of maliciousness. Another one who's mentally ill, that's just them being crazy. So, we have to understand, any assault that, that we've had, whether it's by the police, or by a stranger, or by a relative, they're technically out of their minds. They're technically ill, sick, nuts. So, we have to realize that. So, once we do realize that, the depth of the offense that we take is much less, you know. So we look at our parents because everyone's many people are complaining about their parents. If you stand back, ask yourself, are they really sane? You know, just ask yourself that question are they really, really sane? You know, no one who would do this or that or this kind of mischief is really sane. So we have to stop trying to judge people as if they're psychologically healthy. Psych psychological health is, is not prevalent on earth. Read the newspapers. How much privation is going on right now? How many wars are going on right now? How much injustice is going on right now? Is, are those any signs of psychological health? So we, we, we have to just have a very hard look at the world that we're in right now. You know, insanity is pervasive. And because it's pervasive, it looks like the norm. It's a real problem. See, we really just have to, that, that's a hard truth, that insanity is pervasive. Greed is pervasive. Cruelty is pervasive. You know, look around the world. You know, all of the horrible things that are going on, all the wars, for what? Why are those wars going on? Why is this privation going on? You know, why are children being separated from parents at the border? Is there any sanity in that? Is there any humanity in that? Of course not. So, it's, it's unfortunate that, that this sort of this dour situation is going on. You know, no, nobody likes to harp on the negative. But if you want to fix a problem, you got to know there's a problem. You know, and, and if, if you're going to swim in a river, you better know whether it's safe or not. Are there sharks there or just a bunch of guppies? It's important to know. So we're on this line that we're, this, this sort of linear path of life. And there's all these types of atmospherics going on. And we're sort of looking at the external reality, which is a madhouse. And the yogis are saying that you have to uh, internalize your awareness. Uh, and you'll, and there's many, many levels of internal awareness, but 
as you go deeper and deeper into internal awareness, you come to a state of enlightened joy, enlightened stability. Uh, wholeness. That's the journey that we make. But it's very hard to make that journey to enlightened awareness, enlightened joy, if we're carrying a lot of baggage in our heart. See? Because what happens is our attention is, if we're driving forward and we're looking back, it's only a matter of time before there's a crash. So we have to learn to unburden our hearts. Uh, you know, every wound that we've uh, uh, experienced, we're holding on to that, which means we're not looking forward. The wound happened in the past, and we're still looking back at it. And we're, we're trying to drag the past into the present, and we can't drive into the future that way. That's why we're crashing all the time. We're all having sort of disastrous future relationships because we're, we're completely holding on to the past. So we have to understand we are in a madhouse and people do bad things because of their own personal state of mental illness. But, but we have to really examine our hearts in a, in a way that, you know, even just say, what are the three biggest wounds? Or the, let's say the three biggest sorrows, you know, in my heart. And then consciously try to let it go, you know. Or try to deeply, if you can't do that, which sometimes you simply can't, because it's just too traumatic, to try to deeply understand the circumstance, you know. Or, or try to deeply understand the event where because of mental illness these set of set of events had occurred those 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 events have um, a multiple of meaning one you're in the wrong place at the wrong time and someone acted crazy and did something cruel that's one thing but also in this is hard for Americans to hear and Westerners to hear. Also, in your infinite amount of past births, you also have practiced some cruelty. And that cruelty is simply re-manifesting. It's sort of boomer. Whatever you put out, you get back. Because you can be saying, I'm sweet, I'm innocent, everything is good. That may be true now. But at some time, you practice some cruelty in the past, in some past birth. And now that, that energy that you put out has just come home to roost. See? So none of us are truly, truly innocent. Nobody wants to hear that. None of us want to hear that. You know? But um, it happens to be true. <laughs> it happens to be true. Karma is real. Karma is, is, a, is a cosmic law of nature. It, it's real. What you put out is what you get back. It's just a question of time when it comes back to your door, see? So, then you have to understand, if you're constantly thinking, 
I'm wounded, I'm wounded, I'm wounded, I'm hurt, I'm injured, blah, 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 all this kind of nonsense. Just start to look around and ask yourself, well, who, ha who else hasn't been wounded? If you think that you're the only one with a the, with the massive wound, again, you're mentally ill. Just start talking to anybody around you. Pull any person off the street that walks in front of you and ask, ask them about their wounds. And you'll hear the most extraordinary, horrific stories about what has happened to them. See, so once you realize that sort of everybody is being eaten by sharks, you know, it's hard to blow up your situation when you realize everybody's in the same situation. We're all swimming in this pool of, of karmic sharks because we did stupid stuff in the past. We, not because we were say bad, but we were ignorant, and in that ignorance, we did bad stuff. See? You don't have to get down on yourself and say, I'm a bad person. Not necessary. You can say, I was ignorant, and in that ignorance, I did stupid stuff. You know? In, people think that in the path of yoga, yoga oh, oh, the yogis are living this blissful, peaceful life. You know, nothing bad happens to them. No, they're walking the same line that you're walking. They're having the same good and bad things that happen to you are happening to them. The difference is, is that your life is externalized. You know, there's a multiplicity of attentions. And their life is internalized, where they're moving towards a psychic singularity. See? Their, 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 their life is persistently revolving around God. See? So, as their life persistently revolves around that concept of God and divinity and sanctity and all of this, there's just no place for ruminating on all the different sorrows. As with an average human being, they have 10,000 sorrows and they're ruminating on 10,000 sorrows. So, if cons consequently, their life is deeply degraded. As we're, as we're the yogi, they also have had 10,000 sorrows, but they're concentrating on the one sanctity. See? Just like if you're deeply listening to music, you're not thinking about all the other things in life. You're just wrapped up in the song. The yogi is wrapped up in God's song. So no matter what's happening, they're getting stung and beaten and all kinds of, every kind of n negative nonsense that happens to you is happening to them. But they're wrapped up in God's song. In an in, their consciousness is internalized. We have no concept as a human being. We have no general concept of God's song. So we get wrapped up in the multiplicity of life, which is everything, good and bad and everything in between. And it's all on our psychic plate. Doesn't that give you diffusion? Doesn't that give you confusion? Doesn't that give you difficulty? You know, when everything is dropped on your plate, everything, as opposed to the saint or the yogi has just ambrosia on their plate. That's like nectar on their plate. And the human being has whatever is, their, their plate is filled with whatever. 
whatever dropped on there or whatever you stepped in, it's on your plate. See? That's a really difficult, difficult place to be. So there's many, many practices that lead you from this uh, wide swath of sucking in everything and then being a victim to the world to narrow you down, narrow you down, narrow you down so that, that there's just a, a constant psychic song that's in your psyche. See? <coughs> One time I was at a, a friend's house and um, she got a little tiny paper cut and it started to uh, bleed just a little bit. I mean, just a tiny paper cut. And she almost fainted. I mean, literally, she almost fainted. And it was just a tiny paper cut. Can you imagine the amount of psychic force she put into that tiny paper cut? I mean, like that's like the that's like being stuck by a pin. In two seconds, you should be forgetting that. But she literally almost fainted. And that's our condition, where we'll put so much emotional energy into things that should be just transitory. But we make it a drama. You know, we have to learn how to blow a lot of stuff off. Like, this is not important, <laughs> you know? And, and deeply, deeply focus on what's really important. And as you can learn to focus on the divine song, all the infinite insults of life that we all experience become less, you know? We, we don't drag it into our heart and carry it into our future, see? We have to really, really unburden our hearts, you know, and, and, and sort of just get this understanding that stuff happens, meaning karma happens, that, you know, maybe not be pleasant or productive, but that's life, and that we're not special in that regard. Stuff happens to everybody. Who doesn't get ill? Everybody gets ill. Who isn't going to lose a loved one? Everybody's going to lose a loved one. Who's not going to experience some form of injustice? Everybody is going to form, experience some form of injustice. So when we realize that we're sort of swimming through a, 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 a toxic pool, you know, what's the point of complaining? It's, it's far better to put your psyche on something deeply positive so that you can become a generator of the positive. It's sort of like putting chlorine into a polluted water. Do you, do you want to be sort of the victim of the pollution or do you want to be the healer of the pollution? So you've you got you to gotta figure out what you want to be. Live as a victim or live as a healer. You know, those are totally different places to stand. So the yogis say, tell you that you're not a victim, you're intrinsically a healer, but you haven't found yourself. And if you did find yourself, you would know you're not a victim. You know, this is just the stuff of life, the rubble of life that you're passing through. It doesn't have anything to do with the nectar that's hidden in your heart. See? 
as, as long as that as long as you primarily focus on your psyche you're going to be experiencing the rubble of life you know but if you can quiet yourself down and start to experience the nectar of your own heart you'll see the rubble but you'll pass through it without insult you you won't take on the insult you know there's a a, a micro story about that uh, an angry fellow was um saw a buddha walking by and this guy you know he's angry and furious and you know cursing the world so he figured he'll go up and give buddha a piece of his mind which he did so he goes up and he's berating him he's cursing him and oh you're so you think you're so good and you think you're so peaceful you think you're so wise and he's he's giving buddha a real hard time and then he gets frustrated because buddha's not getting upset <laughs> you know so the guy walks away cursing and buddha just smiles and quietly pranams now one of buddha's disciples is watching this and thinking You've just been called every name in the book. How is it possible, you know, that you didn't get upset? And Buddha simply said, what that fellow was offering, I chose not to receive. So he went home with it. <laughs> See? So just because an insult comes your way, you don't have to accept the insult. You know? Buddha simply didn't accept the insult. He simply didn't accept it. You know, this person is mad. He's upset. He's mentally deranged. Why should I upset? If someone, you know, comes up and said, calls you Charlie or calls you Harry, do you accept it? No, they're 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 misportraying you. So you know that them calling you the incorrect name, it has no effect in you. You feel sorry for them. <laughs> You know, they're completely not seeing you. So, you just, okay, God bless you. I hope you have peace. You didn't accept the insult because you understood the state of their mind. So, you, so we, even if someone doesn't see us and said does something bad to us, we accept the insult. And then we start to carry it in our heart. You know? We don't have to accept every insult. You know, we, we have to learn how to slowly turn it around. You know, and start with small things. Find some small insults that have come your way and just pray for that person's welfare because that changes our perspective. You know, if, if we think they're just a bandit as opposed to someone who's mentally ill, if we think they're a bandit, we're going to accept an insult. If we think they're mentally ill, it's like, okay, that sort of changes the dynamics. You know, like, what state of consciousness do they have where they would do such a thing? That's really sad. You know, and you pray for their wholeness, pray for their healing. So start with little insults and then work your way up, up the line because we, we've, we've all got a list. You know, so... It doesn't mean you, you know, can't be a little annoyed, a little upset. But after you get over that, 
realize this person is really sick. And the worst thing, the, the more negative thing they've done, the more ill they are. It means they're more diverse, uh, uh, excuse me, divorced from their humanity. You know, if someone punches you in the nose, how divorced are they from their humanity? They're not well. They're not well. So we have to uh, tr try to get this perspective of, of uh, the madness of the world. In, in the Bhagavatam, they say this age that we're living in is called Kali Yuga. Yuga means the age of darkness. And in the Bhagavatam, they say this is the age where the bandits rule. That certainly is true. You know, look at every capital, look at our capital. You know, deeply unfortunate things are happening. You know, look around the world. Deeply unfortunate things are happening. Bandits are ruling. You know, politics is another word for pollution at this time. It doesn't have to be, but currently that's the application. So, we have to learn how to find ways to, in a positive way, internalize our attention and bring it to the essence of our heart. So those, those great sciences that the yogis uh, proclaim of prayer, mantra, meditation, reflection, life of good works, has to become our agenda. You know, we, we must learn about prayer. And we must learn about it in an, in an enlightened way. Right now, you know, the way prayer is taught is more buffoonery than prayer. You know, they say, okay, say these things over and over and over. You know, we say them ten times, you know, and then we call it a day and run out the door. But prayer is a, is a deeply sacred uh, practice, but um, it's been taught in a very eviscerated way. You know, if, if you look at uh, world history around the planet, you'll find out every saint prays, even though they have no geographical relationship with one another. Why is that? Why is every single saint praying? Because it, there is a genuine science to prayer. You know, prayer is a, is a, is a universal grace that the kingdom has given to all, all mankind where you can actually state your case before the kingdom without any intermediaries. That's an act of grace. You know, prayer goes all the way to the top. You know, you, you, whatever's in your heart, what you, can, you can state your case <coughs> and have it registered and have it responded to. That's really, really, really an act of grace. Prayer works. You know, there's deep metaphysics, divine science to prayer. But not praying like a monkey, not praying rote. Just sort of an open, sincere conversation with God, an open, sincere dialogue with God. 
an open, sincere aspiration for communion with God, you're in. You're in. Nobody had to give you any more. You didn't need any, whether rich or poor, strong or weak, you're in. You know, your case is being heard. It's before the higher magistrate. It's an act of grace. It's, it's a, prayer is a dispensation. So everybody has absolute access. But then you have the practices of mantra, which are um, intonations of power and or names of God. And by doing that, you're moving from a worldly multiplicity to a sacred singularity. See, like right now, our minds are trained to go in 10,000 different directions all at the same time. We're running, running, running. You know, every kind of past, present, future thought, you know, every kind of stimulation on every level is, we're like flying around. We, we're like, we have more arms than an octopus psychically. We're, we've got 10,000 arms in our head, all grabbing at different things. But the practice of, of mantra is, is, is to, to make your, all of your psychic energy become a singular flow, a singular flow to the divine. That's what the science of mantra does. See? What else does that? See? When we're walking down the street or, or living in our homes and living our lives, we, we're, we're a being with 10,000 thoughts. We're grasping at 10,000 things all at the same time. As where this, this process of mantra allows you to, to enter the river and truly go with the flow. You know? But it's a sacred flow. It's not, the, it's not human neurosis. See? You, you actually get to enter a sacred river. And then you get to experience all the phenomena that river will bring you to. The world of man and mind is not going to do that. You know, it, it's the world of mind and man are going to give you infinite worldly phenomena, physical phenomena, phenomena of nature, which is interesting. But unless you look into the essence of things, you're not going to find God. Mantra brings you into the essence of things, and you will find God. It's just a matter of time. See? But, you know, if you're trying to enter this river and you've got like 50 pounds of lead in your pockets or sorrow in your heart, holding on to every kind of wound, you're not going to be very buoyant. You're going to have problems. So we have to learn... We have to learn that everybody has sorrow. Everyone has been victimized. This is the world we live in. Let it go. Let it go and focus on the positive. We have to get a profound habit of focusing on the positive. And that's why we learn to practice persistent prayer, because we're focusing on the positive. And we learn to practice persistent mantra because we're focusing on the, on, on the positive. And then we learn how to practice persistent meditation, which means 
we will have the experience of revelation. See? And you'll go from revelation to revelation to revelation. So, ultimately, you're going to be the engineer of your own psychic experience. You're not going to be, per se, the engineer of the physical experience of life. But you can be the engineer of your psychic experience of life. See? If I'm going to get stung by a bee, I'm going to get stung by a bee. Nothing I can do about it. But I can control how I respond to this thing. See? So we, we take control. And we say, well, I can be complaining and miserable about it. Or I can get over it like that. And find something positive to do. See? I don't, I don't have to carry this thing with me. You know, I can say that was a minimal event. You know, if you think, you know, how many days in life you have, you have tens of thousands of days, and then you say you have one horrific day or a few horrific days. Should those horrific days outweigh the tens of thousands of wonderful days? But if we hold on to the wound, that's what we're doing. We're giving the horrific more power than the wonderful. And just as, you know, intelligent psychic beings, don't we want to concentrate on the wonderful? And just let the bad stuff be. Let it fall apart of its, of, of, of its own nature. You know, that doesn't have to be the defining quality of our lives. You know, let's, let's make the wonderful the defining quality of our lives. When a person they'll, they'll look at, oh, Hari, you, you have such a good life, you're a yogi, you've been around saints, and well, all that's true. But every kind of malfeasance, negativity, bad thing has happened to this body, this human being. You know, it's just that my perception of it, it's like, okay, I got hit with the baseball bat. That wasn't a good day. But my life is not the baseball bat. You know? That's just not what I center my life around. You know? And, and then I can say, okay, let me pray for the batter that clubbed me. You know? Because whether it was an accident, he's, his, if it's an accident, he probably feels really, really bad. So I'll pray for his welfare. If it was malicious, you know, Jesus, it's so sad he was so far from his humanity. Let me pray for him. See? So we can start to get some kind of a unified method of dealing with the world that's more singular. You know, not, okay, I'm going to think about this person this way, and I'm going to think about this person this way, and I'm going to think about that person. We're thinking about every human being in a million different ways. Why don't we just pray for everybody? You know? Why don't we just wish everybody to have full prosperity, full humanity, and call it a day? Why don't we develop that as our sort of psychic mentality? As opposed to quantifying each person, having a set of judgments with each person, you know? If we have 10,000 people, we have 10,000 judgments and 10,000 quantifiables of how we're going to deal with them. Why don't you be like Buddha? Why don't you be like Jesus? 
you know, treat everybody with compassion. Treat everybody with humanity. Realize that everyone's got a thorn in their foot and they're acting out. See? Why not? You know, given the alternative of carrying a tremendous amount of burden in our heart. Tremendous amount of burden. You know, me as a priest, you know, I'm called to the bedside of a lot of people who are way, way ill or who are dying. And, and the, the people who are greatly aged. This is like common in my life. This is normal. And what you see is tremendous fear, tremendous anxiety, tremendous sorrow, you know, anger. Think about it. Is that how you really want to go out? You've lived 70, 80, 90 years, and at the end of it, you're like a viper spitting? You know? Is that really how you want to go out? The deal is, what you put in is what you get out. So can you imagine how much fear and anxiety they put into their lives? So at the end of their life, all they're doing is this, this they're, they're an okay person, but they're like a fearful spitting viper. You know, what you put in is what you get out. You know, we are creatures of habit. If, if we've... Uh, concentrated on, on fear and anxiety all of our lives, well, heck, what do you think has got the end of the line for you? You know? The yogi says, die with a song. That's what we're trying to teach you. Die with a song. Learn to sing that song no matter what's going on in life so that even at the very end of your life, that song just won't go away, you know? No matter what insult is happening to the body, that song is still singing. But you've got to train yourself. You've got to, it, you have to understand this is a life process. So you want a life song that's uplifting, that's enriching, that's joyful. So no matter what's going on, you're still humming that song. See? But that takes a certain amount of, of psychic training and a certain amount of uh, psychic insight. You know, to be able to have the forethought to make this part of your disposition. See? Who's not going to die in the room? Okay? Who amongst us is not going to get old, aged, and infirm? Okay? Don't, we, don't you think you put a little insurance aside for that? You know, a little psychic insurance? So, you know, we have to find... Uh, these psychic songs, and these psychic songs are various mantras, uh, s various uh, s spiritual songs that we sing, bhajan, um, various prayers that we joyfully recite to ourselves that have deep philosophical meaning and, and guidance, so that we do it over and over and over until that becomes our disposition. Whatever we practice, becomes our disposition. Whatever we practice becomes our character. See? They say, if you squeeze a rose, even then it'll offer its fragrance. See? Before it was offering its beauty and its fragrance, 
But if you squeezed it, even in the end, even in, even in its suffering, it'll offer its fragrance. See? Isn't that how we prefer to go out? See? Offering a gift to the world, even as this body is being crushed with old age and disease. See? We are the architects. We are the architects. Do not define yourself by your wounds. Define yourself by your highest aspirations. Define yourself by the song that you sing in your heart. See? This is why you're born. You're born for liberation. You're born for freedom. You experience sorrow, but that's not what you're born for. See? So, when I say there is no excuses, it means there's no excuses for you not to, to seek and eventually fulfill your wholeness. See? You can't say, oh, well, the police did this to me, so I can't, I can't say my prayers. Oh, my family did this to me, so I, I can't say my prayers. Oh, life has done this to me, so I can't pray, practice meditation. There are no excuses, folks. There, there's no, there, there are no excuses. You can say, well, but life is full of oppo opposition. And I can turn around and say, no, life is full of opportunity. You know? For every opposition that comes, you have an opportunity to pray for that, that soul. See? Just turn it around. You know? What, what are you fundamentally about? It, the problem is that we live with 10,000 different personalities and, and we have to learn how to come to what is fundamentally, absolutely the best in us and make that our full personality. Like Buddha had a full personality, Jesus had a full personality, Krishna had a full personality. No matter what you did to them, there was this loving nobility. There was this loving wisdom. No matter what happened to them, there was this loving nobility, loving wisdom, you know, was their psychic disposition, regardless of the atmospherics, regardless of, of praise or blame or kindness or cruelty, there was still this loving wisdom, was their fundamental disposition. They're human like us. They were the architect of their beingness. The yogis are here to say, take control. Don't be a victim. See? Don't blame anybody for anything. Just know what your business is and get on with it. Get on with it. You know? At any time I can pray. At any time I can say mantra practice. In the quiet moments, I can sit for meditation. Regardless, I can be in a prison cell. I can still do it. I can be at home. I can still do it. See? The, the, the world can't control what you focus on. See? The world, can't, the world can throw every kind of rubbish on your head, but it can't control how you respond to it or, or what level of priority you give it. You know? People will be surprised. You know, walking through America with brown skin is not an easy walk. Yeah. 
I think I'm a reasonably good human being. But you have no idea of how many times I've been handcuffed. Not because I've broken any law, but because I'm walking down the block with brown skin. You know, how many times you know, I've been hooked up or bashed against the wall or bashed against a police car. All of this has happened. This is, this is not an ununique event in my personal life. But no one sees me railing against the police, you know, injustice, bad, blah, blah, blah. I just realized that these people at that time were more divorced from the humanity. They're still God's children, but they were divorced from their humanity. And in being divorced from the humanity, they acted unjustly and cruel, cruelly. See? So if you, if you can just pause and realize they're not well, then you don't react in such a negative way. They're not well. You know, I, I just chose not to accept the insult. I just, you know, I understood my own personal dignity. You know, no matter what they said about me, could not change my own sense of personal dignity. See? You know, they're, they're thinking I'm some kind of a thug. <laughs> so, so foolish. You know? What are you going to do? But they're blind. They're blind. You have to understand that. They're not seeing. So you maintain your, your own dignity. You maintain your own consciousness of God through God's name. And you, you bear whatever indignity is given you. If you look at the life of Jesus, wasn't every indignity dropped on his head? every cruelty put at his door. But he retained his self-knowledge. He retained the dignity of what his internal experience was. And he bore insult. See, we have to do that. You know, so if someone like Jesus is getting dumped on, do you think you're going to dodge a bullet here? If a soul that great and that pure is treated with such cruelty, do you think you're going to get better or less? You know, you're going to get, if they, if they can do that to such a soul, what can they do to you? So we have to understand, because of this lack of humanity, which is a form of mental illness, everybody's going to have a, some cruelty you know, put upon them, some injustice put upon them. But we have to have that internal song, that song of realization. If you just have a whatever song in your head, you're going to respond in a whatever manner. See? So you have to take control over your life and find something really, really beautiful to sing in your heart. And, and to say, that is who I am, and that's what I'm about. See? That nobody can, nobody can malign that. Because that's your own interior experience. Your body can be abused. Your freedoms can be abused. But your own song in your heart, that's yours. That's yours.
You have control over that. You know, you have you have the right to focus your heart and mind on what you choose. See? So if someone doesn't tell you to start that process of persistent prayer or persistent mantra, um, then you're going to live that whatever life. And whatever means whatever. Sometimes good days, sometimes bad days. It's like whatever. You don't know what's around the corner. But if you start to develop this relentless current in your heart, a relentless remembrance of God's name, a relentless uh, joyful prayer for the welfare of others, that becomes your disposition. So whether it's sunny or it's stormy, you're still saying this joyful prayer, regardless of the atmospherics. See? You've just taken control over your life. You've just taken control over your psychic experience. You're no longer a whatever being. A whatever being is a really sorrowful place to be. That's why they're suffering so much. So, you know, just accept life. Don't make any excuses. You're in a madhouse, but you can sing a divine song. And that divine song can become your disposition. And in singing that divine song and creating that disposition, you can become a generator of that song in the world. See? If you think about your five closest friends, and then ask yourself the question, what song are they singing in the world? You know, what are they generating out into the world? I'm not saying they're bad people, but just think about your five friends. What are they really, 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 really putting into the world? You know, how much confusion or frustration is part of their song? See? I'm not saying they don't have good days and not, not singing some nice stuff every now and then. But also, how much fear, how much confusion, you know, how much victimhood are they, are, are they generating? See? Consciously or unconsciously? See? Are they in control of their lives? Or is it whatever? Whatever means like you're on, standing on a side of a garbage dump and you decide to put glue on yourself and roll through it. That's a whatever life. Maybe you might pick up a diamond. That's possible. But you're definitely going to pick up a whole lot of trash. See? That's a whatever life. Yogis are not about whatever. Not at all. Zero. We have a, we have a very focused perception. Very focused methodology. A very focused goal. See? Not whatever at all. Zero. Zero. We're looking at the sanctity. The deepest, the deepest reality of life lies in, in sanctity. And in the beginning, these words like sanctity, they have a very vague, general meaning. But as you enter the mystic path, the deep path of yoga, prayer, mantra, meditation, reflection, all these kind of things, you enter that process of revelation, which means expansion of reality. Expansion of reality. Expansion of reality. You get to see what's really, really, really going on. You know, human beings are like beings that are colorblind. You know, we have 
infinite array of colors and they're only seeing grays and blacks? Can you imagine? When there's this infinite array of colors? That's the human situation. There's, there's an infinite array of divine phenomena that's going on level after level, dimension after dimension, that you can participate in, but you're not applying the science in which to participate in it. So you're running around Earth colorblind, just seeing a very limited spectrum of what's really going on. You know? If you actually really, really, really realize there's all kinds of angels that really, really, really exist, wouldn't you sort of feel good about it? Thinking, hey, you know, maybe they'll bat on my team and help me out. <laughs> you know? But there are. And they're, they're definitely very interested in helping you out. But if you don't acknowledge, if you don't, if you're not, you don't really aware that such beings exist, you don't have a whole lot of access, you know, because it's it's a myth. You know? So you're again, you're running around the earth colorblind. You're not seeing all these assets that are, are really interested in helping you. you know, angels, but there are saints. Saints are real. Masters are real. God is real. And as you can expand your, your psychic uh, awareness, you'll start to realize that there's dimension after dimension after dimension of, of phenomena that uh, you can participate in and that you can be enriched by. You know? Jesus wasn't praying simply because it, he was hopeful. He was praying because he was realized. He knew there was a one cosmic reality that was beneficent, loving, kind, and every kind of other divine platitude you can put. See? Though he was clothed in a mortal, mortal coil. Buddha didn't sit in meditation and go through endless privations for no reason. He went from revelation to revelation to revelation with each revelation, he was spurred to go further, to go further, deeper and deeper into wholeness, deeper and deeper into completion. See? Until they call him Buddha because it means awakened. He, he awakened from the human slumber into the cosmic reality, the infinite intelligent oneness. See? From the human slumber. We're all like in a dream state. You know? Yoga is to wake us up to, to our full potentiality, to our full joy, you see, to our full humanity. So that's, a, that's, a, that's why we're here. We're, we're here to find wholeness. We're, we're here to learn how to sing one sacred song no matter what nature throws at us. See? No matter what nature throws at us. I love you, I love you, I love you. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. But to have one divine song, no matter whether people are saying I love you, or whether they're saying I hate you, you have one joyous divine song. See? And it's your responsibility to seek that out. See? We can say, oh, I have to take care of my kids. Oh, I have to take care of my mother. Oh, my car is broken down. 
we have infinite excuses for not pursuing the essence of our heart. But the truth is, there are no excuses. That's the truth. There are no excuses not to seek the essence of your heart, not to make that come to that full rev revelation. There are no excuses. You were born for that. You were born for that. But you got distracted. You got infinitely distracted with infinite distractions. There are no excuses. You know? Eventually, you have to turn your eye away from everything. Jesus said, Satan, get ye behind me. You know? So that he could only concentrate on the Lord, only concentrate on the great reality. See? All of these distractions, they're taking your attention away from the light. See? The word sin, if you look at it deeper, the word sin only means error. It doesn't mean bad. It means error. See? And you can say this word Satan is error. See? It's not seeing clearly. See? I'm using Judeo-Christian terms right now because most everybody here is Judeo-Christian uh, background. And Jesus said, get ye behind me. <laughs> I mean, don't block my vision of the light. <laughs> See? Don't obscure my vision. You know, don't put error in my vision. See? So, we have to learn to put all distractions behind us. See? So that we can have a singular vision of the infinite light. You know, the infinite amunata of God. You know, the infinite nectar of God. See? So, we have to learn that habit of putting all distractions behind us and then weaving into our psyche that persistent name of God, that persistent prayer, you know, that persistent divine song. So that, that becomes, you know, our nature, it becomes our character, becomes our disposition, and it becomes where we rest in the end, you know. We become, at the end of the day, and this is like, I'm giving you like enlightenment training here. At the end of the day, you all want to die as a divine song. You all want to die as a divine prayer. See? That's what I'm laboring on. Every day of my life, I think about, at the end of the day, I want to die as a, a divine altruistic prayer. I want everything about me to be all about that prayer. You see? That's how I want to die. That, that, and I work on that every single day. Because I don't know when I'm leaving. Maybe today, maybe 10 years from now, I don't know. But I do want to be working on it every day because I don't know when I'm, when I'm, when I'm booked to leave. So in, in the yoga practice, someone has to tell you to get at it. I'm not saying don't go dancing, you know, don't go to the, I'm not saying that. Enjoy life. Go to the theater. Go dancing. Go to the park. Go scuba diving. Do it all. But do it all 
bring, bring that divine song with you. <laughs> See? I'm not saying don't eat pizza. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying eat pizza with God. <laughs> you know? Just bring that, you know, bring that prayer, bring that name of God, bring that joy with you. You know? Take, take that remembrance with you everywhere. See? And, and then you'll actually start to experience your life in a very, very different way. You know, right now, <clears throat> you're primarily psychological creatures. But that's only one fragment of your psychic, of your fuller reality. Later on, um, your solar nature, meaning your essence, will start to rise up. And then your psychological nature can start to see the radiance or feel the radiance of your solar being, you know. And over time, you'll have like your head and your thinking and, and you have your, your sort of common consciousness. But also, at the very same time, you'll feel an internal power and an internal ra radiance. You'll, you'll, at the very same time, you'll be able to experience an internal beatitude. You know, it's like having a sun in your chest, like a, like a sun in the sky. It's like having a sun in your chest. Even though you have your brains and your thinking and your history and all that, but at the very same time, you'll feel, you can actually say like the glory of God. You know, you'll actually physically feel it in your breast. You know, until, and then, then your yoga becomes to slowly merge the two. See? That'll, that'll be your, your higher yoga. Uh, but first, you, uh, by practicing persistent prayer, mantra, meditation, um, you, you'll purify the mind. You know? And then as the mind becomes more purified, it'll become aware of the presence of this radiance inside of you. See? And then your yoga is to blend them. See? To have the, the soul, solar nature to be the dictator of your psychic nature, your, your psychological nature. See? That's sort of how it works. But it's real. It, it's really, really real. It's sort of like, you know, you've eaten bread all your life, but you've never had a piece of cake. And then someone puts a piece of cake in your mouth. We said, wow, that's a whole new experience. So we have sort of the psychological bread of life, but the, the divine cake, we never tasted yet. It's in our own breast, you know. But we, ha we have to uh, purify our minds, make our minds less distracted so that we can start to see this, this internal radiance. Uh, what I'm saying is actually literal. I'm not, I'm not giving you puffery. It, it's actually literal. And it's, it's actually in every one of us. It's just our minds are distracted, profoundly, profoundly distracted, you know. So the yogis try to teach you how to make your mind more singular and sacred. See? At least for little bits of time during the day. But even if you do it for little bits of time during the day, that energy flows over. To the, uh, it affects the rest of the day. See? You, you start to enter this uh, alignment with the kingdom. And in that alignment, you have greater and greater communion. 
See, this is part of your your heritage. This is this is this is what you're meant for. This is why you're back on planet Earth. You know, you, planet Earth is where you get everything in the kitchen sink thrown at you, and you have to still learn how to love. That's what it is here. Everything in the kitchen sink is going to be thrown at you, and you still have to learn how to love. That's what's happening. So, you get this disease, yeah. This person dies, yeah. This one insults you, yeah. This one inflicts harm on you, yeah. In spite of it all, you learn to love. Isn't that what Jesus did? In spite of it all, didn't he love? Wasn't that... You know, that, that crucifixion that occurred him blessing those who have harmed him and the bandits saying you'll stand with me in the kingdom in spite of everything love but can you understand the strength what he, he had to have something to rely on to be able to, to do such an event see that's in our own being that's in our own heart you know, but he was in touch with it, and we're not in touch with it. So the the process of yoga is learning how to get in touch with your greatest strength, with get, getting in touch with your truest self. You know, personality. I mean, the personality. The word personality means mask. Understand that. Word personality means mask. Mask doesn't mean you. It means mask. See? So your 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 true face is your solar face. See? We're we've made the assumption that our personality is our face. And the yogis are saying, no, you're you're profoundly incorrect. You've made a big, big mistake. You have to learn these interior practices to see your true face. And then to manifest your true face, just like Jesus manifests his true face. Or if you look at the the trials and tribulations that Lord Buddha went through to find his true face. See? He went through all kinds of difficulty, all kinds of suffering, all kinds of tapasya. I mean, tapasya means burning. To find his true face. But he did it. See? So we have, we have models of success. And it's, it's just up to us to accept the model of success and get at it and understand there are no excuses. There are no excuses. Get at it. You see? You will finish if you start. <laughs> no start, no finish. Start. You'll finish. You know, all of heaven's grace is the wind in your sails. Heaven wants you to, to come to the kingdom. That's to have full completion, full humanity, full compassion. That's your destiny. That's why you're here today. That is literally why you're actually in the room. You know, this is, this is just a reminder, a wake-up call to say, to say there's no excuses for you not to seek your completion, for, for you not to seek your highest joy not to seek your, your greatest humanity. There are no excuses. See? There are no excuses. See? Regardless of what you say, what you think, 
the bottom line, there are no excuses. See? For you to fulfill your highest humanity. See? So that's why we're here. That's why this uh, Sangha, a, of gathering of, Sangha means gathering of souls seeking the light. See? The highest wisdom. So each in your own way, you'll take hold of that and get at it. And your job is to ask 10,000 questions. My job is to answer 10,000 questions. You know? Part of my inner job is to help engineer opportunities for you, internal and external opportunities for you. See? So I'm like a little resource center. But you've got to take, take advantage of the resource. See? You know, don't think, oh, Hari's over there and I'm over here. No. You know, I, from, from boyhood, I've been around saintly people from, from childhood. And I was um, always fiercely hungry, you know, always asking questions like, how are you doing this? How is that? What does this mean? You know, I, I really encourage you to, uh, to try to exercise that kind of uh, hunger. Um, don't take things for granted. Don't think Hari's here tomorrow. That's definitely not guaranteed, you know. Or I'll meet somebody else like Hari. Really? Come on, get real. You know. Yogis are not a dime a dozen, I'll tell you that. Not real ones. So my point is not that Hari is so special, but when you have a unique situation, really take advantage of the opportunity. You know, ask questions, you know, drill down, be present, you know, do those things, you know, you will be immensely advantaged. You know, why is like a guy like me, how is it that I've met so many saints in my life? I mean, it's almost a miracle. It's, it's actually quite ridiculous. But I've met a whole lot of saints. I mean, really, you know, people from the kingdom active in the world. It's that fierce hunger, that fierce curiosity, that, that fierce investment. Um, so I'm, I'm saying, if I can do it, you can do it. There's no difference here. You know, this, this is a matter of human spirit. Just, just the will to propel yourself forward. The will to, 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 uh, to be in exceptional company. The, the will to witness the sacred personally. You know, like, I want to see it for myself. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to read about it. I want to see it for myself. That was always my attitude. Have I read about it, things like that? Yes, I have. But, but the bottom line for me was I want to see these, I want to see the work of God myself. I want to know if it's true myself. I want to see it. And heaven has amply given me the opportunity. Amply. More, more than I ever could imagine I deserve. See? And my attitude is, why not you? you know, I don't think I'm so special. But I do realize that I did apply a certain amount of radical zeal. You see? So maybe you don't have radical zeal right now, but just start working your engine up. You know, bit by bit, bit by bit. Keep going. And you'll, you'll get that momentum. 
And, and as, as heaven sees that you're serious, heaven will create opportunities for you. That's a fact. That, that really is a fact. Once you say, I want to know, I want to see, heaven will start to show you. And it's just a matter of you paying attention. See? And then, and then really, miracles will happen in your life. You, you will be a personal witness to God's work in the world. You, you, will, be a, you, you will see all those kinds of divine events. That's, that's, part of, that's part of our life pattern. If we choose that road, See, if you choose the road of the world, you'll see a lot of the world. If you choose the road of the sacred, you're gonna think, you're gonna start to see the sacred. See, it's your choice. God gave you free will. Either you live a, a, in an externalized life, or you're gonna live a more internalized life. You know, either there's intimate multiplicities and activities in the world, or you're gonna try to narrow, narrow down to see the sacred song that's intrinsic to life itself. Intrinsic to life itself, see? So this is the kind of thing that uh, I want to encourage you to, to think about and to take this kind of journey. You know, read this, the great sacred scriptures, the Bhagavad Gita and the Bhagavatam and the Ramayana and the Bible and Quran and all these great sacred scriptures. Uh, definitely read the biographies of saints. All of these things are going to help you. They, they're this sort of psychological prepping for a life of miracles, a life of wonder, see, a life of the sacred. This is truly a can-do thing, you know. If you if you choose it, you must choose God. See, if you choose God, you're going to get God. You choose the world, you're going to get the world. It's up to you. you know? But when I say choose God, it means you're choosing the essence of life. See? And the essence flows through all the other things. Later on, when you look back, you'll be able to see God in everything. But right now, we see everything and we don't see God. That's a real problem. But if you, if you find the essence, then you'll realize, wow, that essence runs through everything. See? So, by choosing the essence, you, you actually discover the truth of everything by choosing the essence, see? So, that's the, that's the journey we're on. Uh, don't think that you're an ordinary person you know, or an incapable person. The very fact that you're in the room means that you're on a sacred journey. You know, you, you've, you've, you've made that effort in past births. The, the, the key now is to gin it up, awaken yourself, and to get active again. And, and, and to have a, a can-do attitude, you know. Um, you're meant to achieve. You're meant for success. You know, you're, you're meant to witness the wonders of God. You, you, you're, you're, you are fundamentally meant for that. You just have to get at it. You know, it, it really is that, that's really true. You just have to get at it. Everybody here is capable. Anything I've experienced or I've done, 100%, you can do it. You, I'm a human being, you're a human being. There's no difference. 
It's just that I chose to get at it, you know. See, I'm not speaking from conjecture or philosophy. I'm speaking from personal, personal experience. See. So you have the karma to talk to someone who had a lot of personal experience in mysticism, which means you're not that many steps away from having that happen to you. You know. You know, you were actually entered into one of God's real labs. Just a matter of time when you put on your own lab coat and go to work. You know? So try to understand what prayer is, understand what meditation is, understand what mantra is, and, and have a determination to have a life of good works in your own unique way. In your own unique way. And then then you'll fulfill this task of yoga. You know. You'll have a truly meaningful life, you know. You'll you'll see things, you'll you'll see so many of the wonders of God that average human beings don't get to see. Why don't they get to see them? Because they haven't chosen to take the journey yet. See, it's not that they can't; they can, but they're distracted. See, and they're making excuses, and they're professional victims. You got to get past. All of that. Remember I said everything in the kitchen sink will be thrown at you in this world? True statement. But you love in spite of that. You hold on to your, your solar dignity in spite of that. Your solar awareness in spite of that. You don't let the world or experiences define you. Someone beat me up. I'm a victim. No, 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 no. I'm not going to be defined by one crazy bad day. You know, I'm going to de define by my inner internal reality. That's how I'm going to define myself. Not by anything that the world throws at me. See? I've, I've probably been handcuffed 20, 25 times. Am I a victim? No. Not emotionally, not psychologically, not physically. You know? Because inside me, I know who I am and what I'm about. Nobody can determine, no one can say I'm a criminal and have it stick. It's not going to happen. You know? Or I'm bad or good or whatever. I don't care what anybody says. I, in my own deep awareness, know who I am and what I'm about. And that's it. Nothing in this world can define me. See? Only my own internal revelation. That's it. So none of this baloney sticks. See? Or who hasn't had some kind of banditry happen and your wallet was stolen, your phone was stolen, your computer was stolen, my truck was stolen with all of my equipment. I'm not, it doesn't define me. It's just a bad day. Let it go. I say prayers for that poor fellow. You know, how ignorant. How ignorant. You know? What a poverty of consciousness. See? Pray for learn to pray for everybody. Pray for everybody, not just your friends, not just your parents. Pray for everybody. As a, as a living habit, may all be well. You know, may all have joy. May all have prosperity. You know, just, just be quick, little, little prayers. Just get the habit of praying for everybody so that you, you don't have a heart full of resentments. See? A heart full of wounds. Just pray for everybody. See? 
and then just get on to your life next day next day sing your song not the song of the world the song of your heart see if you're saying you're a victim and making excuses that's the song of the world say that just learn to totally 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 focus on the song of your heart see then nothing can define you nothing in this world can define you and 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 nothing is an insult that sticks it doesn't stick see so we're unburdened we can we can pass through this world with a song but we have to practice that song every single day i pray every single day for the wealth of welfare of others and so can you and then that can be your disposition whether someone says you're nice or someone says you're a bum i don't care i'm praying for that person for their prosperity for their joy for their welfare for their humanity whether they're praising me or cursing me it makes no difference to me see can you see the singularity where i have one response regardless of what energy is coming at me just just one response i'm praying for the prosperity and the humanity of everybody every day anybody i meet so the world gets a lot simpler see a lot simpler and emotionally much more joyful because i want everyone to do well you know if they've done something foolish it's because of the poverty of consciousness lack of humanity they're sick and if they're good i want them to be better i want more joy to come to them more prosperity to come to them more light to come to them great go for it keep going see make make life much simpler <coughs> you have to judge each one this way and each one that way and this one did good this one did bad forget all that it's too complicated pray for everybody pray for everybody's joy everyone's humanity everyone's wellness the light for all. So that's the that's the world and the community that I want to live in, and that's the energy I want to generate into the world, so that the world can move in that direction. See, so we we all have to be the generators of light, generators of compassion, so that we can wherever we stand, we can start to slowly change the ecology of the world. Because there's a lot of pollution going on, but if we can harmonize ourselves and attune ourselves to the kingdom and start to generate that energy in the world haven't we lived a meaningful a purposeful purposeful life you know you know we won't leave this world kicking and screaming but we'll leave this world as a living prayer you know that's how i want to die for sure as a, as a living prayer you know for sure 100% so Anyway, these are the kinds of things that I'm, I'm trying to in, in, encourage and introduce into your mind. Um, you know, write these things down and think about it. And then you can find your own creative way of, of using these sciences uh, to come in, in deeper contact with what you are. And then your own creative way to manifest it in the world, see? You're, you're all gonna create gardens in the world. You see, one way or the other. Maybe you, the common human being is putting out a lot of weeds, but the yogis wanna plant flowers for the beauty of all. So we're, we're all, we all have a legacy. 
We all have a legacy garden. What do you want in that legacy garden? See? It's, it's your creation. So, this is what I'm trying to, to, to bring to your attention. Uh, I hope you take it seriously. And uh, I'm very, very happy to, to guide you in your studies. You know, so that... Uh, so that the glory of God comes to you in a very personal and direct way. Um, that, you, that, that you live this divine adventure. Because it really is. From my boyhood on, it's been nothing but an adventure. I mean, in the most literal sense of the word, it's been a divine adventure. And every kind of bad thing has happened. But that's tough. You know, you meet bears along the road. That stuff happens, you know. What are you going to do? But that none of it has determined how I, I live in the world, experience the world, you know, none of it. It's like you're sort of traveling along a beam of light. Whatever else is happening anywhere else, it's just stuff happening out there. But you're on just this beam of light, and that's it. You know, you're you're just you're just on this light road, and. The world is the world, but you're traveling along a very pure beam of light. And that's what you guys have to do. And that's what I'm continuing to do. But it's a, it's a can-do thing. It's a can-do thing. thing. Any, any thoughts or ideas, Stephen, anything? <laughs> or, or Victor? Or Christopher? Chris? Um, what purpose does the ego serve? Oh, that's a very interesting question. The purpose of the ego. Ego is an early... Uh, it, ego is an early view of oneself. It's a... It's a... A, a very primitive view of oneself. It's a primitive lens of reflection. See? Uh, but that primitive lens of reflection uh, can be honed. Uh, just like if you have glass and then you, uh, you shine the glass so that it becomes a lens and then if you keep buffing the glass it becomes a better and better quality lens. In the beginning, the, the ego is, is like a very crude piece of glass. Is it refracting some light? Yes, it is. But is it refracting light in a very crude way? Yes, it is. So it's an early, it's an early means of perception. See? It's an early means of self-identification. See? Of self, it's an early means of self-awareness. But it's an early means of very crude self-awareness see the the yoga process is the process that's grinding on that lens in, until it becomes a very fine vehicle to transmit light see and then the light of the soul can refract on on that lens called the ego but the ego must be purified and all the yogic practices is like grinding the glass to make it a perfect lens, see? So 
Ultimately, we don't discard the ego, we purify the ego. See? Because it starts from a, a crude place, and we want it to become a refined tool of the soul. Just like all the masters and saints, they all have personalities. But they become enlightened personalities. See? They're not sort of crude whatever personalities. So you, you maintain an egoic sense. But it becomes a purified ego. And then the ego, when it's highly purified, becomes a launching pad where you go from the I to the thou. See? See? When you go from the finite to the infinite. When you go to the infinite, there's no more singularity I. Just it's a cosmic I. There's no personalized I. But that ego, once it's really, really purified, becomes a platform for the great final leap. You go from saguna, or, or nature, to naguna, beyond nature. See? So, it's, a, it's an early instrument of identification and perception that needs to be purified through the yogic process. Have I answered that okay? No one's ever asked me that question. Matthew and I have been talking about it for, all, for about a month now. So. Oh, yeah. No one's ever asked me that question. That's really interesting. That's good. Yeah, you made me lean back and think. <laughs> Any other ideas or questions that you may have? You're the new one. Oh, yes? I have a question. Yes. The solar nature that you talked about. Yes, my dear. I'm assuming you or maybe others can see when someone manifests that or puts more attention on that mm -hmm. than as you were talking the sort of psychic engagements that some are focused on. Mm -hmm. But how can you see that? Or how does, if you see that in someone, how does their behavior change? Or how does their personality change? Is it just that they're kinder and more loving and less judgmental and less? Those are, those are definitely signs. But, you know, there's signs in character and there's, there's signs in physical nature. You know, the luster of their eyes, like you as regular people, you can't see. You you look at people's eyes and you don't see anything, but that's not true of yogis. You know, everybody admits different gradations of light and luster from their eyes, and 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 that light and luster or 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 dimness, uh, definitely is is a very direct reflection. Of, uh, of their the level of communion. See? So th there's many things like that. E even, even the quality of your voice we listen to. And the quality of our, your voice, I don't care about what you say. It makes no difference to me at all. But I listen very carefully to the quality of your voice and I know a whole lot about you just the moment you open your mouth. You know? Because that energy is carried along in the energy of your voice. You know, also every human being, every, every, everything emits uh, various gradations of light. You know, you're like a Christmas tree walking through the door. You know, everybody is. Everything is. You know, and depending on what's all lit up and what's not, it says a whole lot about who you are. There's many, many, many different things. God gives the yogis many, many um, facilities 
to understand who's in front of him and, and to, for us to serve you. You know, like the yogi's mind is sort of like um, the top of a drum. You know, still, flat. When you walk in the door, your emotions and your mind is projecting um, patterns, you know, like vibratory patterns. And those vibratory patterns are like uh, tapping on the top of a drum. Sometimes it's erratic, sometimes it's harmonious, but again, the teacher experiences that. You know, your general psychic disposition has a vibratory pattern. And the teacher's mind is, is like a, a drum. And when we look at you, your pattern plays on the drum. See? Sometimes it's very disturbing. <laughs> That's why we do Japa all the time. <laughs> to keep ourselves sane. And sometimes it's lovely. But most of the time it's somewhat chaotic. It's a mixed bag, most people. You know? It depends on what you focus on. You know? A lot of people, they have smiley faces and terrible fears. You know, smiley faces and terrible insecurities. But their face is smiling. But that doesn't hide the rhythm that you're projecting. So it doesn't hide it at all. <laughs> See? So there's many, 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 many ways. You know? the, the teacher gets sensitive. You know, sensitive. Any other questions? Ideas? The teacher only has one job to help you out. That's, that's our only job. You know, not maybe what you may want, but what you really need. See, you know, moving more close to your humanity. You know, more, and, and moving more close to your humanity means clearer vision, clearer vision of the reality. See, of the, the intrinsic sacredness of life. You know, as, as human beings, we forget the intrinsic sacredness of life. We just see a bunch of stuff with our own emotions layered onto it. And, and, and don't realize that all this is precious. All this is conscious. All this is God. See, we, we have our own personal interpretation of everything. You know. So we're projecting our creation all the time. Whenever we see anything... We project all of our thoughts, our feelings, our history on whatever we see. Are we, are we really ever seeing anything in the way it really is? Or are we seeing it through our own filters? See? We don't see anything really, really real. And it's only until you can purify your psyche that you start to see things as they are. Nobody sees anything the way it really is. Because it's all your stuff that it has to filter through. All your history, all your fears, all your ideas, everything you witness has to go through all those filters. So you're not seeing anything. So why does the, why does the uh, yogi say, sit still, be still, be silent, be aware? It's so that your personal creation process can stop just long enough to see what's going on. That's what meditation teaches you. You move from your personal creation to the creation. The creation is what God's doing. Your creation is what you're generating in your head. 
See? Way different. Way different. See? And that process of sanctity is for us to surrender to what God is doing. You know, the cosmic will, the cosmic way, as opposed to a personal way. See? That's that whole process of meditation. That's what it's all about. Your, your true, full wholeness. Not your particular momentary awareness or momentary projection. See? It's a big step. It's a long walk. But it's a can-do. It's a can-do. Any other questions, ideas? Did I answer your question, my dear? Yes. Okay. I'm taking a best shot, my best shot. <laughs> Any other thoughts, ideas? Victor or... Uh, or Fung, you have any thoughts? No. No? Yeah. Fung is my golden friend. You know how you find real yogis? Look for the quietest person in the room. <laughs> if you're around a Dharma teacher and you want to say, who are the, who are the advanced you know, uh, practitioners in the room? Look for the quietest people in the room. Mm -hmm. That girl Fung back there, I call her a girl, but she's significant, significant. You know, her, her good son Stephen is coming along, you know, you know, or you have, uh, I mean, you guys have no idea how fortunate you are. You, you, you have a sadhu like Nick Warren sitting in the room, you know, look for the quiet ones, look for the quiet ones. You know, those are the ones to get next to. You know, you'll be immensely advanced. You know, go have conversations. Go just help them out. Go do whatever. You know, with my Guruji, I don't care from washing windows, sweeping floors, you know, give a class. I don't care. As long as I can get next to them. Because if you get next to them, you get to see what God is doing. It's a, it's a wonder. When you just quiet down and pay attention. Mm. But then what about the opposite where you have you're talking now about victimhood and people having a lot of whatever narratives that cause them to do cruel things. Mm. If I think about a lot of my friends who might be wrapped up in we make a choice of I don't want to spend time with them. Or to be around people who perhaps further along in their spirituality that allows them to be less cruel and be less victims. Mm -hmm. How do you make that choice? Or let's say harder yet is family. If you have family that are wrapped up in unnecessary anxiety and pain, yeah. well, how do you choose? No. Oh, let me only speak from a very personal way. All my life I've always said, what is the greater good? And I've always attempted to make my decision based on whatever the greater good is. Like I, I'd say to myself, what is for the best? I mean, we can't excise ourselves in general from our families, but we can control what we, the dialogue we put into the family, the energy that we put into the family, and we can control uh, how we pray for the family, you know? So that's, that's what we can do. We do what we can do. We don't control anybody, but we do control what we put into the mix. 
thing, the energy we put in, the voice we put in, the prayers we put in. We control what we put into the mix. And that is, they're sovereign. They can do what they want. But you've done your job. You know, and as a boy, sometimes I had some buddies that were like a heck of a lot of fun to be around. But I knew if I was around them, we we're going to have an intervention with the police. And they were like fun. But I knew we're definitely going to get into some kind of mischief one way or the other. So I had to say, you know, guys, you, you're cool, but see you later. You know, I, I, don't, I don't need the headache. So even though I liked them, my attitude was, God bless you. Good luck. See you later. See, so you have to be discriminative. You know, you only have X amount of years of life right now. What are you going to do? See? Just like a doctor goes away from all of his friends and family for eight years, but then he, he has another 40 years of doing really good stuff for people. But he had to move away for eight years in order to, to get this body of knowledge. See? So he, he sacrificed on the front end, so on the back end, he could have 40, 50 years of really good stuff to do. See? So you as an individual have to make those discriminations. See? of how you invest your time you know, and what you invest in relationships that you can't step out of. You know? or, if, or if the family is like totally, totally, totally toxic, pranam, pray for them, and leave. See? Don't be a victim. Don't say, I, I, guess, I, guess, uh, I was born into this cesspool, I've got to stay. Why? If it's a cesspool, get out. See? Pray for them and leave. See? What is for the best? So I've just spoken just from a very personal perspective. Mm -hmm. Any other ideas or questions? Matthew, anything? I was just thinking about the what is for the best. What if you don't know what's for the best? You have to keep asking yourself. And I'm, I'm not saying what is the best for me. No. I'm saying what is for the best. See? That's something you just have to keep ruminating on until you render it down and figure it out. You know, it's a challenge, but that's life, you know? Nobody's born to be stupid. We're born to think, 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 work, 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 struggle, 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 figure it out. And it'll come. This is a challenge of will, see? We, we always must try to practice our humanity. See? We want to expand our humanity. And if, if, if you're like totally, totally, totally confused, come speak to a guy like me. Not just me, but any guy like me. Go speak to Nick Warren. You know, or any other significant soul. See? Don't, don't necessarily think you can figure everything out. If I, you know, I, I've asked my, my, my Guruji 10,000 questions. Why? Because I couldn't figure it out. I needed a heads up. I needed some insight. You know, I, I needed a, a deeper perspective. That's all of us. See, so, so exercise, you know, the resources that are around you. You know, find people who have, have put them, their lives into wisdom study and wisdom action. And uh, ask them. Not just wisdom study, wisdom action also. Yeah. 
It's only in action do you really learn what's going on. <laughs> study is study, you know, it doesn't mean anything. That's why in yoga, we call a person merely a scholar. And we put the word merely in front of it. See? Because scholar doesn't mean you know anything. It's the guy that's done it. That's the guy to talk to. You know, it's like mountain climbing. You want the guy who's been up and down the mountain or a guy who's read the book. You want the guy who's been up and down the mountain. <laughs> That's the guy who's going to keep you alive. See? Not the guy who just read the book. See? Any other questions, ideas? Okay. Then we'll sit again, for, uh, chant Om. Nick, do you have any, any thoughts? I really like the question about ego and how You can spin it. Because maybe that's where you finally answer the question, are there any, any excuses? There are no excuses to stay in the situation you're in without reflecting who you, um, what is the common good? So you're reaching, you're reaching to see yourself as objectively as you're trying to see your friends. And the ego arises as their first perspective of saying myself. And so you have to move from that to being able to realize that the common good is your own individual Questions, ideas, thoughts. Yeah. You, you got to find substantive people like a Nick Warren or a Hari Charan or my dear friend Fong in the back and, and ask them questions. You know, be humble. You know, ask. You know, and, and get the benefit of their experience and get the benefit of their, their living humanity. You know, and then take your best shot. You know, take your best shot and keep at it. Okay. So we'll chant Om three times. And then I know the ladies have provided some, some nice meal for you. So with an erect spine, just take a deep breath in. Oh.